0: Welcome to the Bloomberg Law Podcast, I'm June Grosso. Every day we bring you insight and analysis into the most important legal news of the day. You can find more episodes of the Bloomberg Law
1: Podcast on Apple Podcasts, SoundCloud, and on Bloomberg.com slash podcasts. Among all of the t- questions about trade, you just heard President Trump fielding in the Rose Garden. He also got some questions about Supreme Court nominee Brett Kavanaugh. The president on Saturday commented about the FBI's investigation into those sexual assault charges against Kavanaugh. Yeah, they have free reign. They're going to do whatever they have to do, whatever it is they do. They'll be doing things that we never even thought of. And hopefully at the conclusion, uh, everything will be fine. OK, and I want to clarify, those aren't charges, they're allegations. And over the weekend, Bloomberg News learned that there may be some limits on that investigation. Let's talk about this with Professor William Banks from Syracuse, Syracuse University Law School. Professor, I want to thank you for taking the time with us this afternoon. Um, not. Uh, just the limited time, because the time is uh, going to be a week or less, but a limited scope perhaps, not allowed to do- delve into uh, drinking or maybe talk to some of the other uh, accusers. Uh, g- give us your thoughts on that.
2: Well, it, you know, it is a bit unclear. You, I heard the president's quote. And I saw his tweet from Saturday that it suggested that the investigation was unlimited as far as the president's concerned. And the important thing here is that that was the president speaking. Any uh, clarification or characterization of the, the limits on the investigation that's offered by anyone else in the White House, unless they say they're speaking specifically for the president, that doesn't carry weight. So Don McGahn doesn't set the terms of the investigation or its parameters, nor do the members of the Senate. Uh, the fact that it's a so-called limited background investigation does tell us something that suggests that Indeed, the the bureau won't be uh, using any compulsory process, no subpoenas or anything of, of that nature. They're just going to be uh, interviewing witnesses. But you know, they could do uh, a lot of interviews in the course of a few days uh, if they're only looking at the two, uh, the first two accusers and the uh, immediate witnesses that, that say they were present at those events. Then that's a fairly uh, uh, a very short uh, list of interviewees, and that could be done, as someone said, as early as today.
0: So what is your expectation for the outcome of the investigation?
2: It's really hard to say. You know, it's if, if all they're doing is talking to uh, those two plus the witnesses to the events, it sounds like we're not going to know much more about the veracity of the statements of of Judge Kavanaugh or Miss Doctor Ford than we than we did after we heard their testimony. On the other hand, the investigation, you know, those being interviewed know that if if they decline to tell the truth, that they're subject to penalties. So I think there's every reason for them to say exactly what they know.
1: I want to ask you a little bit about some of the criticism about uh, Kavanaugh's behavior, how he snapped at some of the senators during the hearing, showing some partisan preference during his opening statement. And even some people were being critical of his appearance on Fox News. They just thought that wasn't becoming of a Supreme Court justice, a Supreme Court justice nominee. I want to get your thoughts on that. Where do you stand there?
2: Uh, you know, it's certainly not a judicial demeanor that he was exhibiting during the hearing uh, last week, nor, nor certainly by appearing on on the media, on television. I, I think, you know, the, the senators who will eventually have to decide on the nomination have to look at the entire picture, the entire record, which includes not only everything leading up to the hearings, but the conduct of the hearings themselves, the original hearings and then this additional testimony that was given last week. I think it, <clears throat> we do have questions now about uh, drinking and about his character generally uh, that we didn't have to take into account before.
0: But as far as the FBI talking to the witnesses, the witnesses have already sent letters to Congress um, and, and if, if, if they weren't truthful to Congress they could be subject to perjury, uh, per, perjury charges in Congress. They've already sent letters saying that you know they don't recall or this par- this this party that uh, Dr. Ford talked about didn't happen. Uh, it, it seems to me the FBI is just going to be kind of probably getting kind of uh, the same thing. Is that fair to say? That's
2: possible. That's certainly possible. But you know the the bureau can ask questions that weren't uh, anticipated by the writers of the letters. They can uh, probe into answers that were, uh, or to suggestions that were made in the letters uh, that <clears throat> lead to uh, other questions. And, you know, they're very uh, seasoned and skillful, of course, at, at the techniques of interviewing. So we, we may well learn some things. And, it, and indeed, it's possible that if, if it's truly an unfettered in, uh, investigation in the way that the president characterized it on the weekend, they may well find that they can talk to others uh, by asking the uh, the interviewees, the immediate interviewees, who else uh, they know who was present at those events.
1: And I just want to remind our listeners that we are awaiting comments from Commerce Secretary Wilbur Ross. He, too, will be talking about trade and NAFTA. Don't no call it NAFTA anymore. It's completely revamped now. And we are waiting for the Commerce Secretary in just a few minutes. But until then, more about Kavanaugh. I'm I'm curious about what you think the dynamic might be if and when Kavanaugh is seated on the Supreme Court and what it might be between the justices.
2: Well, you know, the... <clears throat> the justices i think the eight sitting justices are uh, certainly uh, f- fully capable of sort of rising above this uh, this period of crisis uh, and it is a period of crisis i would say uh, and i think it's if if Kavanaugh is confirmed he'll be confirmed with an asterisk in a way similar to the way that justice thomas was confirmed all those years ago in a not too dissimilar uh, environment it certainly took a time, I think, for us to sort of put that Thomas episode with Anita Hill behind us. Uh, it would take time, uh, uh, if that happens, for us to do something similar with Kavanaugh. Um, so I, I wouldn't worry so much about the, the dynamics on the court. I think the justices are, are, uh, are you know, today they've begun their term. They're, they're getting their uh, work going with eight justices they have a lot on their uh, docket this year, and uh, if it's Justice Kavanaugh, he will be integrated into the mix.
0: Based on everything you know right now, do you think Judge Kavanaugh gets confirmed?
2: Yeah, I think the odds uh, are still in his favor because of the uh, just because of the partisan uh, lineup in the Senate.
0: In Washington today, the Supreme Court is starting its fall term. But the court's new term is being overshadowed by the pending nomination of Brett Kavanaugh as the FBI investigates charges of sexual assault against the appeals court judge. After last week's emotional Senate hearing, Democratic Senator Sheldon Whitehouse criticized Kavanaugh for the political nature of some of his comments last week.
2: The fact that we're in a position in this country right now where him going so partisan... Him losing complete control over his temperament. You know, they talk about judicial temperament. <laughs> Didn't see much of that.
0: Greg Store is Bloomberg News Supreme Court reporter. He joins us now for more on all of this uh, by phone from the court. So, Greg, how is the absence of a justice there affecting the court's new term?
3: Well, Peter, they are, they are starting to hear cases, heard the first ones today, with just eight justices on the court. And that, of course, creates a very different dynamic where if they split along ideological lines, as it's possible they could, they could do in, in the first case they argued today, uh, that they would have to reargue the case once they get a ninth justice, which could be in the matter of a week or two or it could be much longer than that.
0: Are they talking about delaying hearing any cases?
3: not talking about it but so far in terms of the cases the court has agreed to hear um, they they ha- have not taken the most uh, high profile provocative cases so for example there's a a pending bid for review in a case involving a cross that is a World War 1 memorial in in the busy intersection in uh, Maryland, just outside the, the D.C. border, um, and the court so far hasn't acted on that petition. Uh, they are potentially, in this case, waiting to see if they have another justice who might uh, provide the deciding vote. I'm speculating a bit here, so, but it, it, it seems like they're at least uh, kicking the can down the road on some of those more controversial cases, but in terms of what they have scheduled, they are just going ahead uh, as planned.
0: Got to ask you, what is the mood around all of this in the building?
3: It was interesting. This argument today, which involved an, an endangered species act, was uh, fairly contentious. Um, it it, it uh, you know, right from the get go, uh, Justice Elena Kagan came out. One of the liberal justices came out and was uh, pretty pretty uh, forcefully arguing that. Uh, the the endangered species that could be used to designate this this area as a critical habitat for an endangered frog. And Justice Sam Alito, a conservative, uh, came right out after her and suggested uh, that she was spinning the way the case w- was set up uh, to produce a preferred outcome. So at least at this point, it doesn't seem like on the bench the justices are pulling any punches.
0: Yeah, but, but you know, the talk in the hallways about you know the the Kavanaugh nomination and the and the and the, and the, and the new FBI investigation going on this week
3: yeah, it, it, it's um, you know my my sense is that uh, there is going to be some division among uh, the people in this building over that. Um, you know, this is a very raw subject, and it's you know crucially important for the the future of the court. Um, it, you know, it's it's there are two worlds that we, we could have going forward. We could have a court that um, tries to lay low for a little while and not deal with these really controversial cases, or you could have a world where it feels a little bit like an extension of that Senate hearing with, with judge Kavanaugh there Mm -hmm. where the two sides are uh, even more vociferously uh, hollering at one another. And and at this point, I would say that the, the second possibility is at least possible.
0: And do you get a sense that, that once this limited investigation by the FBI is done, that, um, but let me just ask straight up: Do you, do you think Kavanaugh still gets confirmed?
3: <laughs> Peter, I have so much trouble. You've predicting. covered a lot I, of these
0: I, hearings, Greg, and I know I, I'm not trying to put you on the spot.
3: <laughs> you, you know, um, indications are that that the FBI investigation isn't going to tell us too much more than what we already know. Could be wrong in there. We'll see where it goes. Um, you know, it, it will then come down to basically what it has come down to pretty much the whole time. Those few uh, Republican senators whose votes are still up in the air. It depends on what Su- Susan Collins thinks about his testimony, and she hasn't made that clear. It, 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 it's um, uh, it, it's been clear that she and, wants and depend to vote. on
0: what it depends on what the FBI reports too.
3: It, it does depend on what with, the FBI With Collins
0: reports. and some of the others, yeah. yeah the,
3: the one danger like, that, that Brett Kavanaugh has that maybe he didn't have a week ago um, is that his testimony, his demeanor in the testimony uh, was so combative that that could you know prompt some senators to say, "Hey, this is not the kind of judicious person we want on the Supreme Court." And there's also the, the, the risk that if he is caught in some smaller lie, something other than you know the the, the big sexual assault allegation, if if there's um, evidence that's clear enough that he uh, misrepresented the facts about his you know, drinking or something else that, uh, you know, the, the, the references in his yearbooks, that that might be enough of a reason for somebody to say, I don't trust this guy. He shouldn't be on the Supreme Court. But, you know, th- this all depends on what's in the mind of two or three uh, pivotal senators.
0: And just in the last uh, 45 seconds, what did you make of President Trump's comments about all this in the Rose Garden today?
3: You know, Peter, I've been—I'm afraid I've been upstairs and you've been working, park, <laughs> and then writing a story about the Endangered Species Act, and so I'm going to have to duck on that because I haven't heard what he said.
0: <laughs> All right, fair enough. Sorry about that, fair enough, Greg. No problem. Listen, th- uh, thanks, uh, and we know you'll be uh, stand on—you'll you'll be doing your job, and we'll—we'll we'll talk to you know Alex Wade coming up here in just a moment about the uh, White House comments. But the, uh, thank you once again, and, thank, and thanks for keeping us up to speed. Uh, Greg Storr, Bloomberg News Supreme Court reporter. Thanks for listening to the Bloomberg Law Podcast. You can subscribe and listen to the show on Apple Podcasts, SoundCloud, and on Bloomberg.com slash I'm June Grosso. This is Bloomberg.